Hi, everybody. I'm here today with Chris Hardy, one of my very favorite authors, and you know I've read a lot of them. Uh, Chris has a, an incredible ability to connect the dots in really deep themes. And in this particular conversation, we're going to be talking about hyper dimensions and the ability of souls to reach in from both sides toward each other and why that's possible and the ways in which it happens. So let's go to Chris right now because we're having a lot of conversations, whether we know it or not, with beings on the other side who have a lot of interest in what's happening in our world right now. Chris, it's so good to see you. Hello. Hello. Yeah, very nice to be with you again. Last time uh, we got together in, the, in person was in Boulder, Colorado at Gaia when we were doing a story, War of the Anunnaki Gods. And I was so excited to do it because I know to some people this will sound like blasphemy, but the way you put pieces together to me has a more organically true feeling than a lot of what had come before with Sitchin and so forth. But, and I just think you have a unique way of putting information together. And what we're doing tonight is very near and dear to both of us. And that is the communication between dimensions. And so I would like to start out first, the name of your book, which is Living Souls in the Spirit Dimension. Um, in the beginning and toward the end, you mentioned something that I think is critical and our viewers will find very interesting. And that is that these dimensions are starting to come closer together, making it more possible for people to have these cross-dimensional experiences. So first off, tell us what's happening and why you think this is occurring now. Well, see, I believe that uh, uh, humanity as a, as a whole collective uh, consciousness field uh, has been slowly uh, rising uh, in terms of frequencies. I mean, we have uh, many different authors that have uh, on sensitive who have been able to uh, feel those uh, uh, this uh, constant increasing of frequencies in uh, our minds. And, and so uh, as a higher dimension where the, our own uh, higher self is uh, living and all the souls of the deceased people, uh, when, uh, when they are in this hyper dimension, uh, they, they are on a much higher frequency uh, range of frequencies uh, than, than us. So it's only uh, if you if you understand what uh, the sage were saying uh, in different uh, uh, inner traditions, inner paths of uh, knowledge, which are in a any religion, by the way, we have a mystical way in Christianity, and you have a mystical way in uh, in uh, also in all religions. You know, of course, the Eastern religions are more uh, mystical uh, on the great range of them, but uh, uh, they were so sage uh, were saying that. Uh, you, when you get into meditation and you get into inner silence, and even the shamans in uh, Mexico and in Africa, sub-Sahel Africa, uh, they tell you how to get in contact with uh, a higher range of frequencies. And when you do that, 
uh, you are uh, mostly in contact immediately with uh, the spirits of uh, nature and uh, the spirits of um, uh, of natural systems like trees. Uh, I mean, I have been able to, uh, um, certainly you too, uh, to be able to uh, talk to trees, the consciousness yes. of trees. Oh, me as well. I, I love the intelligence coming from trees. Yeah, it's wonderful. It really the, I had this uh, incredible experience uh, about... Uh, in India, about uh, being cold one night, um, uh, it's, a, it's a whole uh, story, but I'm going to say just the part that uh, belongs to the communication with the tree. So I was, uh, I felt I, I had a very intense uh, spiritual experience uh, that changed my life, in fact. But... Uh, and then I, I started walking and at one point, so I was walking along the beach on the night had come and at one point uh, I felt uh, like uh, a call from uh, behind the dunes that, I, that, was, that were blocking my vision. So I was seeing, seeing only uh, dunes and the palm trees, but then I felt a call like from this angle, you know? Uh, so it was still a kind of a few hundred meters in front of me, half a mile or something. And, and then I keep uh, walking, I kept walking, and uh, at one point I, I felt that uh, the call was very strong on, on, the, on my left, now much nearer. And I, and I, I believed that uh, there must be a village and uh, a very specific uh, person with a very high consciousness in that village. So I, I, I now start crossing uh, above the dune. And when I'm above the dune, I realize that there is indeed something like only uh, four or five houses, like making a square around, um, around a huge tree. So I'm saying to myself, oh, this must be, but it was all black, not a single line. This must be coming from, uh, from this uh, uh, village. There must be somebody there. So I start walking uh, down now the dune on the further. And at one point, I see a magnificent tree on my right. So huge and beautiful, like a uh, centennial type of tree. Centennial tree, yes. Centennial. I, I approach the, the tree and uh, I have the impression that uh, the tree, uh, you know, is now is also talking, uh, calling me, but it's kind of flu. It's a, so I say, to myself, I'm going to sit down at, uh, at the base of the tree. I touch the tree, I say hello and all that. I uh, exchange uh, some harmonic uh, vibration with the tree. Then I sit down my, my uh, back to the tree and uh, I try to hear what the tree wants to say to me and I, I see nothing. So I get up, I leave and you are 
in the middle of the night. So the, the fact that the tree is showing is certainly because the, the full moon is there, a moon uh, big enough, and that's all, you know? So it's mostly obscure, and as I, the, the little house I saw in the village, so were kind of all black, as I said, just black shadows, you know? And uh, so I'm, I'm leaving, I'm getting up, I'm getting away from the tree, and believe it or not, I see, hope you see my, <laughs> my hands. Yes. I have two uh, extensions of a blue light, blue phosphorescent light that come like that, but they are, they are like that, they go like that, they cross in front of me, and they push me back, my back towards the tree. So I sit again, I'm trying to listen on that, and nothing is happening. I get up against the tree, I, I make one meter, one and a half meter, the, the tree is taking me back again. And so the third time, I sat, I, I saw myself as an ascetic. From another lifetime. Yes, another lifetime. I spent uh, decades, not my whole life, but decades under that tree. Yes. He was my <laughs> You know, this reminds me of, you know, the Matra Mandir in Oroville, India. Have you ever been to Oroville, Sri Aurobindo, and the Mother's Community? Oh. Yes, I, I I went around, but I did not get inside. I, okay, so I, I was, was a sadhu path. Yes. I was privileged enough to go inside the Matra Mandir, which has to be one of the most sacred spaces I've ever been in in my life. But the point is, this giant sphere that was designed by the mother, uh, the feminine yes. half of the pair, was built there when there was nothing there whatsoever, way before the community was built because there was a sacred tree right next to it. And it was the tree that was the impetus for putting all of this community together. The sacred knowledge coming from that tree to her, also in her dream time, to create this, this spherical temple, like nothing I've ever else I've ever experienced. And I saw images, of course. Yes, yes, just incredible. I want to ask you, okay, so in all these ways now, people are having great difficulty in distinguishing their own truth. And one of the things you said in this book to me that is probably the most important is with these dimensions coming closer together and our frequencies rising on this planet, the most critical thing we can do is to not just open to other beings, but to learn to open to our own higher dimensional self. Please tell us, explain a little bit about the way you see the higher dimensional self and our conscious mind, our earthly, this dimensional mind, connecting between the two to, in order to be able to have much higher truths flowing through us. We all have a hyperdimensional level of consciousness in our own being. So the fact that we have a brain that can receive and organize languages and uh, impulses, nervous impulses and all that, is uh, of course making our consciousness in the world, in the material world, much more complex. For example, a, a tree which has a consciousness very, very old and ancient and very broad consciousness, but uh, much more 
ethereal. <laughs> yes. On the, so basically, uh, when uh, when we get into meditation, we what we do on, on the Kundalini experience, the rise uh, of energy through the chakras, uh, in a long term, like a few years uh, time, um, is a, is a way to uh, to first of all uh, center our own energy uh, into one chakra, which is activated at the time, and uh, and then raise the frequencies of uh, our uh, uh, spiritual or psychic energy, which in uh, in the uh, Oriental uh, Eastern religion is called, uh, for example, Ki, uh, the Ki energy in Japan or the Qi energy in uh, in China. Uh, so. It's uh, it, there is uh, uh, a psychic energy, uh, spiritual energy, which I call um, SIG energy, semantic energy. Because it, yes, because it's an energy uh, which uh, is dealing with meaning. It's a meaningful energy. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's the energy of our higher consciousness able to organize meaning, create new meaning, and it's our whole uh, uh, energy field around us. So our higher consciousness is definitely a different layer of uh, energy. And uh, also this energy, SIG energy, uh, we say S-Y-G, is like uh, uh, much faster than, uh, of course, than uh, the speed of light. And uh, it has a different type of uh, uh, dynamics and properties in the sense that uh, our material universe space-time is more on, uh, on the polarity and uh, the uh, attraction or repulsion of polarities but the, the energy of the higher dimension, of the, this hyper-dimension, is working on, uh, on resonances, uh, on the attraction, on the, something you would call love also, but I prefer to call uh, harmony, synergy, uh, recognition, uh, you know. Yes. And this is where you say souls tend to meet, is when there tends to be a vibrational resonance between the beings themselves. And in your case, it's been interesting because you have been communicating in this way most of your life uh, with people in other dimensions. Sometimes they'll show up when you're driving your car, just <laughs> off to your peripheral vision, distracting you. But other times, such as when your father died and there was critical information to come through and your aunt, these, these family members were able to come through to you at critical times when information needed to be purveyed. But it goes beyond this. That is a natural resonance you had uh, through family, but you also have had natural resonance through your deep lifelong background in science to the point where you drew in or met with Carl Jung and Wolfgang Pauli. And I would love it if you would explain to us 
how that resonance occurred with Jung. And as you have your PhD in uh, ethnopsychology, which is fascinating, looking at the way in which people around the world organize their own thoughts and communications yes. and interactions, how did you bring Jung in? And what did he initially come to speak with you about through this resonant field? Um, well, I, I have to say something which is uh, very important uh, maybe for people to understand how they can themselves um, uh, start to be communicating with those beings. I mean, uh, the work uh, I had done is, uh, was mainly through meditation, but also any kind of trance. I'm, I'm a very, uh, like I'm a drum, uh, I'm a drummer, you know. Oh, yes, I love music, dance, drumming. Yes, yes, yes. Trance. Uh, any kind of trance uh, is, uh, is, for me, is like a portal. Mm -hmm. So my, my own, uh, my own, uh, focus is always on trying to develop further whatever uh, paranormal or anomalous, I prefer anomalous uh, experience came to me. Can I say uh, something here, Chris? One thing people need to understand, your background was also in Psy research facilities, including some of the top ones in America. So you've, this has been a lifelong, a lifelong uh, uh, research project for you really so you did it in formal laboratory settings all the way out into other countries and through dancing and trancing and everything else you've done the entire gamut so I just wanted to lay that lay that out so if you'll continue about the trance state yes this is very this is a very important point because uh, I had those experiences uh, let's say very strongly uh, starting at 18 when I started meditation, okay? But whenever I had, uh, I was taken into some kind of trance state, sometimes I was drawn into or pulled into it uh, outside my will. I would just feel in my consciousness, in my consciousness, I would feel like, oh, I want to go outside on the meditate in the middle of the night, you know? And then I would have this incredible experience like the one I recounted with you last time. Uh, but it's like uh, uh, whenever I have those experiences, there is a tiny part of my mind, which I call the vigilant, which is uh, absolutely uh, focused on memorizing, memorizing, in extreme detail with, uh, it's like, it's a memory that uh, is more than just uh, a feeling memory or a vocabulary or a visual memory. Uh, it's, a, it's a memory which is, could be what is memory in the hyper dimension. It's like uh, this tiny part is there checking everything that's happening around me in the material world, protecting, guarding my body. This if there was a danger, yes. yeah. if there was a danger, it would pull me back mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it is also memorizing everything. What is around me, what's happening on the other side. So it's like a, a holistic, 
type of uh, memorization and um, uh, discrimination, you know, yes. uh, extreme uh, vigilance. Yes. While the other part of my mind is uh, the voyant, the voyant. What does that say? That word again? What do you mean? Here, voyant is like Rimbaud. You know, Rimbaud was talking about the seer. Yes. Uh, the the voyant. Yes. Voyant from uh, seeing the the seer from seeing. Yes. It is with those very um, fine-tuned memories that uh, when I write a book about my experience that happened like uh, 20, 30 years ago, uh, I'm able to relive them uh, completely. On, 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 yes. Yeah, I can put myself totally. Sometimes uh, I, I have been uh, writing about uh, a state of consciousness in a literary kind of book, you know, so uh, more uh, um, near to my experience, feeling experience. And plus, I get myself back into the state to the point where I, I can't write anymore. I have to stop writing. So this vigilant part is also the one that allows me uh, to try to understand the processes that are happening. Because uh, sometimes uh, an experience will uh, bring you some information, but you don't know how to, or, or a specific set of uh, um, an event, you know. Is it fair to say that it helps you discern and organize the information? Yes, into a but it's more than that. It's like, um, it's like those states, you know, they are like, a sudden window opening on this uh, hyper dimension, which is just universe on, on thousands and uh, an infinity of, uh, you know, compared to a tiny little facet here. And, uh, and so even our being, our uh, higher self is like uh, a gigantic uh, consciousness compared to our little lives within our ego here. So when you have those experiences, you have a tiny window opening and you, you are not, you cannot be sure or to interpret correctly what happened until you have another experience that show the same type of uh, process or event from another perspective, slightly different perspective. And then you can uh, put together, you know, that this is, seemingly uh, a very uh, core facet of, of this kind of uh, event or phenomena, you know, phenomenon. Yes, and when you connect with, uh, in this case, we're, we'll talk about Jung in a moment, but when you're connecting with other entities, you have stated in your book there are certain hallmarks of it, which I have found to be absolutely true, and I found it interesting because your book is the first one which I have read that I have read, which really addresses the subject of how these hyperdimensional aspects of self and other uh, relate to us. There is no attempt to control, persuade, or dominate. Th those kinds of motivations and communication styles are not present in that kind of communication. The other thing you spoke about was that when you do connect with a being from this place that they will address you by your name. 
And I had never really talked to anyone about that or read that before. And for the many years I've been doing this as well, I always wondered, why do they call me by my name? Every time at the beginning, they always start by simply saying my name. Your book is the first time I've read that this is common when you're experiencing these beings in this other realm. So let's talk about that style of communication, the refinement of the information coming through, why they address us by our name. But it's it's uh, more than uh, just addressing us by our names. It's also the fact that they are unbelievable. They start the sentence saying, uh, are you always say that and the yes. something wrong, you know. Uh, they, at the end of the sentence, of the next sentence, they tell you, but uh, this is what's going to happen and uh, don't worry in a few years. So it's like uh, I have seen uh, predictions that were correct, like uh, we are talking about one time, 16 years in advance, you know? Uh, the other one was uh, something like 13 or 14 years in advance. So Jung and Pauli, the both of them. Uh, so Carl Jung uh, was uh, a great uh, psychologist uh, uh, who came with the absolutely fundamental concept for uh, our own uh, uh, awakening and on, on understanding of conscious, higher consciousness, yes, like uh, collective consciousness, right. the collective unconscious, uh, sorry, uh, on, the, on the, the shadow, the anima, the self, you know, in, in, inside the, each person, on the... Yes, He'd be fairly well known to our audience, but our audience is not necessarily familiar with Wolfgang Pauli. Yes. So uh, at one point, Donc, uh, Jung was uh, living in Switzerland, and at one point, uh, Wolfgang Pauli, who had uh, uh, been uh, in Germany, you know, in, uh, in universities in uh, Germany, uh, in uh, the science, physics sciences. He discovers the uh, laws of uh, spin uh, oh, very early on. The laws of spin, okay. Yes, the laws of spin. And the, it, it was the law that uh, enabled us to understand the, uh, the phenomena of the entanglement. If we did not have the law of spin, we would never have uh, discover the entanglement. So he discovered that he was still at the university before even to get his degree. Pauli was still a student, but uh, his uh, understanding of uh, Einstein relativity theory was so incredible that it got the attention of Einstein from the start. And so then, uh, at one point in his life, like uh, maybe uh, in his uh, late 30s or mid 30s, uh, Pauli is uh, having uh, some uh, job, I mean, uh, a teaching in the university in Zurich where uh, Jung was living. And, and Pauli had uh, uh, problems uh, in his uh, marriage. I mean, <laughs> he was married for just uh, not even a year. I mean, he, he had some kind of uh, a psych psychological uh, instability, let's say. And he went to Carl Jung uh, 
uh, to ask uh, for uh, some psychological help. And uh, Carl Jung understood that uh, he wanted to be a friend with Pauli. So basically, uh, Pauli was uh, taken care of psychologically by somebody else, and he kept his relationship with, uh, with Carl Jung. And together, uh, they were working on the synchronicity. C'est-à-dire que um, Carl Jung had started uh, his own research on synchronicity, when Pauli uh, arrived in Switzerland and they were kind of uh, working together. And most of that through letters, even if, if they were in the same town, you know, they were exchanging letters on this correspondence between Pauli and, uh, and Carl Jung is just unbelievable. With these two men, obviously you can see where their careers became entangled, of course. Now, how did they begin speaking to you and why? And what were you working on that inspired this communication? Uh, I, I started uh, reading Jung and having an incredible fascination and understanding that was uh, making my mind uh, bubbling, you know, and uh, <laughs> sparkling, uh, because uh, his uh, thinking is so rich and so dead, so deep, you know. And so I, I had been reading Jung from uh, the time I was uh, 19. And um, I kept reading Jung uh, all the time, different books. Uh, I'm still reading it, and uh, I had a very interesting synchronicity with uh, two days ago after we had uh, the talk together. The conversation, yes. I'm never trying to uh, create a contact. It's very rare. Like uh, in the book, I explain uh, how I, at the time, I was not able even to hear them or to see them. I was calling on my aunt to try to ask her to help me um, with a problem I had with my mother. And my aunt, of course, uh, was uh, already uh, deceased. And she did, uh, I believe she did help me. So apart from that, I'm never trying to call, but uh, it's just suddenly I hear. I so hear, uh, and I know from the, I have a, uh, um, a specific, but I believe uh, all people who have some telepathy have this too. It's like uh, if uh, the phone rings and you take the phone and you you know it's uh, the first syllable, the first word, and you know who is calling, you know, from your friends, okay? And uh, a telepath, I would imagine uh, here who is talking to him or her. And for me, it's the same. It's like suddenly uh, I hear a voice in, uh, in my mind and I had this much before I was able to hear something telepathically from uh, my fellow uh, uh, people around uh, in any clarity because I blocked that. I, was, I did not like telepathy at all. I did not like people invading my mind. And so I had blocked it totally from uh, the time I was like uh, 19, I was uh, starting to, to get this. But when, when, the, when the voices or the minds 
talking to me are from a higher dimension, then I hear. And I have, uh, I, I don't block anything, you know. So a few times I had heard uh, uh, Carl Jung talking to me in very specific uh, instances. And strangely, when I am talking to myself, you know, I'm thinking about something and suddenly prof, I have him uh, comment, make a comment about the, this. Uh, a comment, yes. A comment, yes. And so that's, uh, that's their doing, it's not my doing. Right. And so this is usually to assist you long. And in a couple of cases, they said, this isn't for now. Put this aside as much as you wanted to continue on a project. Put it aside. It's not for now. And then a decade later, later, everything comes together. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. So let's talk about what happens in this state because there's we have many ways in which we're communicating. And I want to share one with you that's kind of funny, actually. Um, it was a situation in which uh, my son was probably about, I'm guessing he was probably about 13 years old or so at the time. We had guests staying at our house and they were staying in his room upstairs. I was upstairs in my room. He was sleeping on the sofa downstairs. So I'm waking up from dream time, but only part way. And I noticed I was out of my body and I was flying down the stairs, uh, just flying headfirst down the stairs, ended up in the space he was in, down in the living room, because there was actually a noise outside of some ruckus and something happening with a car. So it woke me up partially. But the interesting part is when I ended up downstairs, for some reason, because my momentum was like this, I ended up upside down in the room in midair. He rose up out of his body while he was sleeping hmm. and he's sitting and staring at me and I remember I came back in my body and woke up because I was embarrassed at being caught upside down in the middle of the room with <laughs> <laughs> so but funny. I could see him seeing me and we were both out of our bodies at the same time oh. this is incredible if uh, if you remember uh, in my book there was a, a case that uh, doesn't belong to me that I found uh, on the internet, in fact. And uh, it was a, a case of a incredible, uh, it was a, a woman. Uh, and I, I believe that she, she had a degree. She was, a, I mean, she, she was a scientist or a, a medical doctor or something. I don't remember well, but she had, she had this uh, very, uh, mature kind of, uh, we are not talking about a young girl, you know, and, and, okay. And so she's uh, going to see her mother uh, who uh, is near dying. And as it happens, while she's uh, next to her bed, I believe in a hospital, uh, at that moment, she sees her mother dying, 
on the, what she sees because she's a sensitive, what she sees is the spirit of her mother exiting her body and, and rising in a, some kind of light. And at the same time, um, some people coming. Yes. These people. You know, I remember the, that part of the book. I had a similar experience with my mother. Yes. Wait. And then, then that's a normal story. Normally it stops there. But she was able to get it, at, it pulled her out of her body. Yes. Now it's from her side out of her body as a spirit that she's uh, saying goodbye to her mother when all the people, the souls come to greet her, you know? Yes. And She's some kind of uh, there was some kind of light or uh, I don't I don't remember perfectly well but there was something in the in the landscape also. Yes, there are so many permutations of this kind of communication that happen between souls for so many different reasons. And one of the things you talked about. Hmm? Regina, did you uh, did you had another experience with your son? in the in a higher dimension or out of body experience no not really where we're both out of our bodies no i mean i i connect with him in another dimension sometimes um and again i think it's really important to understand for everybody connecting at that level with another being isn't like connecting on a personality level in this dimension no no, no. so much clearer free of emotions, um, yeah, yeah. free of stories and politics. It's so clean, so much cleaner. I would love for you to talk about that a little bit more and also talk about one of the techniques that you mentioned in your book, which is to say, besides the drumming and dancing and music and trance states, is to also imagine going up into a sunlight golden sphere above you to communicate with another as well, if you are looking to initiate the contact. But if you can talk about the aspect of mind of ourselves and others that are living in this hyper dimension and the features of that kind of mind that you encounter, and then go into talking about meeting in this, this sphere of light. Well, that's a, it's a, the last part is a very difficult question. Um, I can recognize different types of states that uh, when I am myself fully in my higher uh, self and uh, there are some, uh, but I cannot, uh, I would not dare <laughs> to imagine that uh, I have understood uh, who is, uh, who can be. Oh no. I have just a little window. Yes. Talk to me, you know. That's the nature yeah. of communication itself. Yes. Yeah, it um, I can see through the window or uh, through the communication is um, like uh, a new pearl on a collar that uh, I put. Yes. I'm trying to get to a, a little a little fuller picture each time with each uh, experience. So, um, 
that's it. It's more like uh, what uh, uh, what is incredibly interesting for me, and uh, I believe for uh, people, uh, your audience, uh, is the fact that uh, you can reach a state of uh, in the state of consciousness um, merge with your higher self through any type of induction. This is just unbelievable. Please explain this. Uh, this, is why, uh, this is why we know uh, that uh, we have a higher self. Because if it was just imagination, you know, uh, we would not be able to, uh, to see the same thing each time. You see? Yes. But you can reach, for example, the state of uh, absolute, uh, absolute is uh, too much, but uh, it's like a state of harmony with your environment. You are in a landscape, you are outside meditating in front of the sea or whatever, and uh, suddenly you, you get merged with your whole environment, the landscape. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so like you feel you are part of it, part of the beach, part of the sea, part of the mountain, whatever. So this state, you can reach it through meditation, you can reach it uh, through transdancing, you can reach it, this is a, a state of uh, where you are in the consciousness of either pure void, I mean the lack of uh, automatic thinking, you know, rational thinking, like pure consciousness, or you can be in the pure consciousness of the rhythm, which is incredibly, uh, or music, which is incredibly high. This is why music is uh, touching us so much. It's because uh, one part in my theory, one part of the hyper dimension is rhythm. And it is through this reason that we have the resonance and attraction aspect on yes. the harmony. Yes. yes. Mm. So you can you can transcend, or you can be in a transcend or drum or whatever, or even club, or you can suddenly proof. Um, for example, uh, the first experience I had in my life of uh, being outside my body when I was 18 uh, was with, uh, while making love uh, for uh, three days uh, with... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you had a lovely long weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And suddenly I found myself under the ceiling looking at our two bodies <laughs> in bed, you know? Yes. But, but uh, it was um, spontaneous, it was uh, non-intentional, uh, there was nothing I could do when I was under the ceiling. As soon as it touched me, proof, I got back in my body. Uh, so it was like a, a few minutes uh, experience. And, uh, and that's it. It's like, uh, it's, it has nothing to do when uh, uh, with uh, reaching the state of uh, going out of your body while you are in meditation and you do it consciously and uh, at the time I was I was exiting from uh, from the head chakra you know and then you can uh, manage and uh, you can uh, uh, you can have some uh, control let's say on the state 
which yeah. is not something that you are going to do you, your whole life. But, so this is very interesting to understand that um, there is a hyperdimensional being in us, there is a hyperdimensional consciousness. It's evident for me uh, that uh, we have, the, the people we know, our great friends, you know, uh, our loved ones who are constantly communicating. That's how we get uh, clairvoyant uh, kind of uh, flashes or uh, uh, all kind of uh, psi phenomena happening. Yes, and let's extend that out because we're in a very intense period of time in history globally right now. You and I were talking before we started recording about the notion that because you're coming, you're living in France, you're getting a European perspective and a global perspective. I'm in kind of the center of the hotbed of it, which is the United States. Um, I'm making two comments here. One of them is what happens in the United States is of great interest right now to the rest of the world. And that's not just being self-centered, it's a fact because it's going to determine perhaps the direction many things in the world go. Now, within that, it are collectives of beings with resonance that, and it's a word you don't hear very often, that you refer to as this collective mindset. Whatever it is in resonance is creating a type of egregore. So here we have, let's talk about the nature of an egregore and what these deeply emotionally charged resonant mindsets are creating um, Worse than, I mean, more so, probably even more so in the United States at this moment than anywhere else, though it's happening all over the world. But uh, uh, tell me more how you understand the egregore. Do you, do you feel that there is different groups in the States that are uh, creating different types of egregores? The way I understand it is when you have resonant consciousness on any level, doesn't really ma matter what. Uh, here, whenever I've done any interviews that touch upon the subject of egregores in the past, people generally seem to think that it's a negative thing. When in fact, as I understand it, it is a body of resonant thought that comes together to almost create its own type of consciousness, its own consciousness, um, almost as though it's an entity in and of itself. Tell, tell us how you understand egregore. Yes, we know we're on this. Yeah, I, I, I understand it through uh, my first theory of consciousness, uh, which is uh, as a semantic field. But this, uh, this uh, it's also integrated in my new cosmology theory. But it's much more, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's much more complex. <laughs> I have the kindergarten understanding of egregore. <laughs> because egregore, you know, we are talking about the egregore of like uh, the egregore of the Templar, for example. Mm -hmm. Something very interesting. Believe it or not, there was in uh, Esoterica the, con the concept of uh, the egregore of the Roman emperors. Yes. And in these uh, people, you know, these uh, experts that were talking about that, uh, they were saying it's like a 19th century, end of 19th, uh, beginning of 20th century. Uh, they were saying that um, the 
all the emperor from, uh, I mean, Julius Caesar was not the emperor. He was the triumvirate. Triumvirate, yes. Yes, after you started with the uh, a line of emperors. Uh, and uh, they said that uh, uh, when you had uh, Neron, when you got to have tyrants, because Julius Caesar, he was a conqueror, but he was a very, very sound mind and very respectful. Let's remember that he, he did not uh, want the, the Gaul people in France. I mean, what was France, Gaul at the time? He did not want them to be specifically uh, having the, adopting the Roman religion. He, kept, he, he, he accepted that they were Celt and they had Druids at, as priests. Druids, yes. And, and uh, he respected that. But then after you had the emperor, and soon after, like not even uh, 40, 50 years after, uh, after uh, Julius Caesar, you, you had a new emperor, I forgot his name, sorry, and he himself started uh, saying that all people in the Roman emperor now had to be uh, of the same religion, and, and he was the one to, uh, uh, to slash and to suppress uh, the uh, druidism, you know, the, the, the religion of the, of the Celts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they were saying, uh, those esoteric uh, experts, they were saying that when the line of emperors in, uh, in uh, the Roman Empire, uh, when they started to get mad and despotic, yes. tyrant, yes, it was the egregor, the, 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 uh, the wreck, totally the egregor of the, uh, of the imperial, of the empire. Mm -hmm. It's like the, all the emperors from the past, mm -hmm. to uh, Neron and then Caligula. Neron and Caligula, yes. Were both uh, absolutely uh, tyrannical and despotic and cruel, you know. And this is sometimes I, I reflect about uh, our actual president in the state, and I, I am remembering this thing about the fact that some people um, understood or, or interpreted the fact that uh, the emperor were now all getting mad, going to be tyrannic, and then it was the end of the empire. So this is something uh, I know, uh, I know uh, deep in me that uh, America is going to get over this crisis. And it is not going to happen like uh, it happened with Neron on Caligula because they had an empire and you have a democracy and, and uh, the democracy has to be stronger than whatever force of tyranny and despotism, you know, authoritarian uh, regime are trying to get a grip on it. So I don't think it's going to happen, but it's very interesting to keep this in mind. It is. Because the egregore of the Roman in terms, in terms, 
-hmm. In terms of the, so if you, if you take my own word, it's a semantic field, it's a sick field. So it's a very complex uh, field, a dynamical uh, and complex field of interaction that is going, uh, which is uh, organized, self-organizing, but uh, through this semantic energy, SIG energy. Self-organizing through the SIG energy. Uh, hyperdimensional type of uh, consciousness energy, mostly. And uh, when you have those fields, it's uh, more, Im immensely more complex than just your mind. And of course, your mind is more complex than your brain. Yes. So it's just incredibly complex because it contains everything you have lived, your own SIG energy, it's your whole whole consciousness, most of it being the hyperdimensional part of your consciousness. So now, because this is uh, in your own field, you will have a uh, um, smaller field, subfield, which I call constellation, semantic constellation. So I use SIG as a short for semantic, you know, semantic meaning, uh, creation of meaning. Okay, and, uh, and so some constellation inside your uh, gigantic seed field uh, will be uh, all the constellation of the interaction with your friends and families and yes. the past. And, uh, okay, so that's why it's so gigantic. And you have also constellations that deal with uh, your own uh, action in life. So when you get now at uh, the level of uh, collectivity, of those semantic field, like in a, in a, in a community, in a specific community, you take a, a Native American community in a, in a very specific land, you know, then you have, you have an egregore uh, because this uh, community, even with opposition inside, that's why it's very complex. It's much more complex than the, the, con, the concept of egregore in uh, esoterica was just like they, when they talk about the egregore of the Templars, was just, uh, uh, let's say, a way to show that um, uh, the group of people was connected on the, on, on the accrued uh, through a, a set of principles or values, like uh, you take a religion, for example, and all the people believing in that religion will share normally, will share some values. And that was uh, uh, what you called an egregore. Yes. So egregore of the Templar was, uh, was said yes. to have uh, been uh, taken over by the Freemasons, for yes. example. Okay. Yes, that makes sense. But if you have, uh, if you have now uh, um, a field, a, a holistic field of uh, a great number of uh, minds in a, in a community, for example, or uh, in a concert hall, then you have the capacity of uh, having a certain type of uh, frequency or vibrational uh, harmony harmonization between all the mind 
which has very, very specific uh, characteristic and qualities because everybody gets into a kind of shared mind mm -hmm. and uh, it's telepathic and it's harmonic. And I was talking a little about that uh, last time. So it's, uh, I call them tell how fields. Telepathic harmonic fields, and it's like now we have uh, this possibility of having a group of people with such a, a deep uh, empathy and harmony that empathy. now you create a one shared mind with the same type of vibrational uh, uh, level, you know. And this is, of course. Uh, absolutely fascinating to, to experience, to discover, to, uh, to explore. It's a yeah. continuous uh, creation, uh, co-creation of something. Well, you spend, uh, we've barely scratched the surface and we're, it's, yeah, we're about out of time. Um, we've barely scratched the surface of your book, which goes into much more detail of experience, also of the nature of these hyperdimensional fields, also of your communication with some of these scientists that we mentioned. So uh, that book, Living Souls in the Spirit Dimension, is a wonderful book for people re who really want to learn how these dimensions come together and how we can personally work with them. Meanwhile, you and I will continue our conversation in a little series um, of talks between ourselves that we'll record and share with everyone in the future regarding the current events of the day and tapping into that field. And I think it's interesting and important because we're both coming through the feminine lens of the way we're viewing these dynamic events of this time. I think it's important to keep that conversation going and looking at it from um, the hyperdimensional space instead of on the ground where all the emotions are. So I look forward to having these Would uh, you give me two minutes yes. uh, to uh, share a synchronicity I had through uh, the book of Carl Jung, which yep. uh, I'm already reading in French, which is uh, Psychology on Alchemy. Yeah. The day, the morning, because in the morning I'm uh, rereading this book, and uh, I was uh, the morning after we had this uh, last uh, session. Uh, I just let me say what you're referring to is for our patrons. We had a conversation that went into some depth on all of this a couple of days ago uh, through my Regina Live event. So that's what you've been referring to, saying our last conversation for anyone who isn't aware yeah. of that. Yes, on the, the, your book club. Yes. So this is the Carl Jung Psychology on Alchemy. On the day after uh, our conversation, uh, I had finished reading the end of the book, in fact, and uh, I just wanted to have some uh, kind of... So I opened the, the book by chance, like this, and I fell, uh, and of course, uh, we have not said that, but we will in the next, uh, our next, next conversation. Uh, we, I am extremely uh, attentive to what's happening in, uh, in the world, and especially, uh, specifically in the state right now, because I believe, as you said, it's an absolutely crucial uh, kind of uh, unfolding of events and we really have to focus. So I am all the time with America, with, uh, even if I am living in France. And when I open uh, the book, 
I fell on something unbelievable, which is called the dream number 22, that I opened the page 202, okay? And then it referred to me the next time I asked a question, it, the same day, uh, it went to 402. So it's interesting in uh, the two, yeah. two, two is there. Okay, the, I have, uh, so the, the quote, I have translated it, of course. The salvation arises from a total let go state in which attention, our attention is fi fixated on the center. Then he makes a drawing with a wheel of eight, uh, spike wheel. The scene change. Somebody says that there is a revolution in Switzerland. A military party start to make this type of propaganda. We have to strangle totally the left. Strangle the left. Strangle the left. To this argument, okay, I don't know. Then suddenly appear soldiers that are wearing outdated uniforms, resembling all of them to the red hair man. They are charging their guns, they form a circle, and they prepare to fire in the direction of the center. Um, yes. And suddenly, yet, finally, they, all, they don't fire and they disappear. That could be an incredibly <laughs> synchronistic warning about the times, certainly. Considering <laughs> we have an election coming up, among other things, in, in this torn country. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, so what we'll do... Let's I remember that at the moment they are going to fire the center. <laughs> <laughs> Disappear. <laughs> yeah, but in the end, it just flakes out, goes away, and doesn't happen. This could be very prescient. We'll see in the times of head. You were just Pauli's dream. Yes, of Pauli's dream. Interpreted by Jung. Interpreted by Jung and translated by you to us. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Chris, we're going to say goodbye for now, but we're going to come back. Uh, you're reading current events in our country about what's going on in America every day. I know the world's watching very very tense period of time yes, i have just one information yeah uh, i i will have um, an article on the black lives matter movement okay uh, i mean analyzing uh, in depth uh, different types of uh, problem including uh, the uh, uh, briona taylor uh, murder yes and uh, it's going to come out on the October 1st okay. uh, in, a, uh, in a magazine that is now going to be totally online, uh, which is uh, called Z um, uh, Age. And nicely, I just discovered because I had uh, written this uh, long article, and it, then it was turned down by. Uh, one of our uh, <laughs> conspiracy uh, magazines and, uh, and uh, finally uh, I found this uh, new, uh, uh, new magazine that now is going to be only online as I said and 
it is this magazine is uh, the seat is uh, in uh, Minnesota in uh, so it's uh, very very nice for me that it is exactly at the one of the spot of yes. <laughs> very important events. we'll be looking for we'll be looking for that article meanwhile yeah. So I would like I would like to to spend one of our conversation on this very very important subject of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes, we'll do that. And see, as seen from outside the U.S., from your perspective, looking at it from a multi-dimensional perspective, and also from uh, a European perspective. So it should be an interesting conversation. Until then, Chris, Chris uh, I want to thank you so much for your time once again. And again, for those who are really um, fascinated with this subject and want to begin developing their own skill sets of communication with our, communicating with our own hyperdimensional self and those uh, other spirits in the hyperdimensional realm, it's called Living Souls in the Spirit Dimension by Chris Hardy. So thank you again, Chris, for your time. Yes, and just uh, um, if uh, people want to get to my Facebook uh, in order to see, for example, the, the link to the article, uh, the, my author's name is Chris, C-H-R-I-S, H uh, dot Hardy. Yes, okay, Chris. Very good. Again, everyone, thank you so much for joining us here on reginameredith.com.